The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Sink our teeth into this one. Um, you will remember the former Edmonton nightclub promoter by the name of Matthew McKnight. You've, you've probably heard that he is appealing his sexual assault convictions. He was convicted of five counts of sex assault and, as I mentioned, has filed an appeal. Uh, he was sentenced at the end of July to eight years in prison after a jury found him guilty of five counts of sex assault. And you'll remember um, that sentencing hearing. It got very, very heated. People stood up, walked out. People were yelling. A computer got knocked over. Um, He'd been uh, accused of sexually assaulting 13 women ranging in age from 17 to 22 between 2010 and 2016. But as mentioned, he pleaded not guilty and a jury convicted him on five counts. Uh, Court heard that McKnight met most of the women in bars and assaulted them at his apartment. Now, two weeks ago, the Crown in the case filed an appeal in McKnight's sentence on the grounds that it's not proportionate to the moral gravity of the, uh, the offences and the moral blameworthiness of the offender. And as I mentioned, just this past Monday, the Bodice Law, Law Group filed an appeal on McKnight's behalf of the five counts of sex assault that he was convicted of. So both sides in this case, ha, case have filed an appeal, and we got wondering about how common that was and what's this going to look like moving forward. So we've dialed up friend of the show, Paul Dorshenko, who, of course, is a criminal defense lawyer with Acumen Law. Paul, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Do, you, do, you, do we see something like this often? Uh, very often. I mean, oh, okay. The, the uh, Crown in this case took the position that the sentence should have been up to 22 and a half mm-hmm. years. Uh, the judge in the end concluded that it should be a 16-year sentence and then knocked it down to eight with time served and considering all the mitigating factors. Uh, and, of course, there was uh, significant public pressure to appeal that. Um, I don't know how successful it's going to be, but it's, you know, there's a lot of pressure to appeal it. And then the defense is looking at it and saying, well, if they're filing an appeal, we're going to the Court of Appeal in any event. Uh, so uh, these are the things that we thought were errors that the judge made during the course of the trial. Uh, and they filed their, uh, their appeal um, because it's going to the Court of Appeal in any event, right? Okay. Uh, and they filed their appeal basically saying that there's evidence that was, uh, that was considered by the uh, jury that should have never been before mm. the jury, that the judge should have ruled inadmissible, uh, and that the convictions should be overturned as a consequence. So it's, um, I mean, it doesn't sound like the Crown is appealing uh, those decisions, but of course now they're going to file their reply uh, to deal with uh, with the assertions made by the defense. So, you know, this is not done yet. No, not done yet. So when you talk about that, when you look in the way that this process moves seemingly very slow, I mean, um, when, when you thought that maybe some people, um, some of the victims um, might have had some sort of closure, that's definitely not uh, going to happen. I mean, can you, can you even guesstimate on a timeline on something like this? Well, there's strict timelines for filing things. Uh, you know, often you, you, you have to file your appeal within 30 days. You've got to, you know, file your other documents relatively quickly. Uh, a lot of those uh, timelines have been extended because of COVID. Uh, mm. It's just more difficult to do things. But uh, I, I would imagine they'll get it on relatively quickly. Uh, at the superior levels of court, they've been doing things with Zoom, Zoom and, and various other ways of, of getting these things on. So uh, it'll happen relatively quickly. Relative, of course, is... Uh, in law, something that is uh, not satisfactory to many people relatively quickly might be six or eight months. Um, it's frustratingly slow uh, most of the time. 
you know, when you're looking at the justice system and if you're a participant in it and you're the, either the accused or you're a, a victim, you're looking at it wondering why did this take so so long to get before the court um, and then to get a decision from the court. Uh, it's unfortunate that we, we've never really found good ways to speed things up. You know, Paul, uh, as a defense lawyer, you've uh, you've sat through many, 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 many cases, many, many trials over over your years, and it's it's been interesting over the past number of years when we have seen, and I, I don't know how much you can comment on, on what I'm going to ask, so if you can't, that's, that's fine as well. There's been a lot of talk about the need for uh, the increased need for um, for, for judges to um, get mandatory sexual assault sensitivity training, things on that front need to be moving ahead. There is a bill, uh, Bill C-5, that's you know floating around out there somewhere. Um, in your mind, from what you have seen, would you agree with that? I, I don't think it's an appropriate step. I don't think we should be trying to indoctrinate judges one way or another. The people who are appointed to be judges are, you know, usually very experienced lawyers who have a very good idea about it every once in a while we see a case and it's thankfully infrequent where somebody really botches it uh and uh, then there's huge public pressure mm-hmm. and i think it's a knee-jerk reaction i don't think it's necessarily the right reaction um you know the judges do have discussions among themselves they have things like conferences where they discuss these things uh it's not something that you know creating uh, mandatory, um, some sort of mandatory training that's trying to influence the, their what should be impartial uh, view is, to my mind, not appropriate. Ooh. Having said that, judges make mistakes, mm. right? We know that judges make mistakes. That's why we have courts of appeal and we have the Supreme Court of Canada. And things go to the Supreme Court of Canada, and half the time it's a it's a divided court yeah, I guess... where one judge makes the decision in the end. So you know, it, you can understand people's. Um, cynicism about it and about the process you know there's a million ways you could design a justice system we just happen to have the one that we've got we do and i I guess you know on 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 my front i don't see it as trying to 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 sway a judge i I see it as a a way to educate a judge on 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 some very sensitive cases and and on some very sensitive issues rather rather i mean let's be real sex assault rape very sensitive oh hugely sensitive and we've got some of the most restrictive legislation you could possibly imagine right now when it comes to the defenses in a sex assault case like you you you, you if if there's a motive for the complainant to lie uh, it's very hard to put that motive in before the court now uh, because you may be alleging you know some other uh, attitude that they had and, and that is now prohibited by legislation like it's it, it is a, a a difficult circumstance now trying to prosecute and defend these cases because it's not you know the same investigation into the uh into the incident that it once was uh but at the same time like you're dealing all the time with a he said she said situation Mm -hmm. and there's usually no other witnesses there and so how do you conclude beyond a reasonable doubt um, to reject, uh, you know, one person's evidence and accept the other person's evidence. Anyway, it's a, it's a problem. So how, how can we improve the system then? Well, that's the thing. Okay, so <laughs> as I was saying, there's a, a million ways you can design a justice system. Uh, when you design a justice system that has a, a beyond the reasonable doubt standard, um, you're, you're trying to avoid wrongful convictions. When you start to depart from that standard, uh, then you've got to think to yourself, 
is it appropriate that we jail people and that we give people criminal records for it? So look at the drunk driving context. Uh, you know, everybody always assumes that drunk drivers are guilty, but, you know, there's lots of people who are innocently charged. There's a huge number of people who are acquitted in this country uh, as a result of it. So the governments have been moving to, instead of using uh, beyond the reasonable doubt standard, they punish people on the basis of a, uh, a balance of probabilities mm. using administrative law. But at the same time, now they're using poorer quality evidence than they've ever used. Mm. Now, you know, how can you deal with that when it comes to sex assault cases? Like, yeah. nobody's going to be satisfied uh, if you're not giving people criminal records and you're not sending people to jail. Um, you know, so that is, the, you know, the, the fundamental sort of philosophical problem that we're grappling with. Mm. If it's a beyond the reasonable doubt standard... You know, you're going to have to accept the fact that you've got to be able to challenge the evidence. And I, and I think you're right. I think there, there are there are certain cases. I think that, you know, drunk driving causing death cases, murder cases, sexual assault cases, that no sentence is going to be enough for the victims and for their families. Well, a justice system doesn't put things right. You know, we, we have a justice system to hold people accountable, and then there's some punishment and everything, but you, you, you cannot restore somebody no. who's been sexually assaulted right like like going to court and and having somebody to go to jail for 22 and a half years to still not deal with the fact that you you're a victim of sexual assault and this is something you've suffered and you know we we're humans on the planet trying to find some way to to deal with this and 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 make it so it's it's as fair as we can make it and we think of our justice system as trying to make it fair but you know that that concept of justice being uh, satisfying people, mm. uh, it just doesn't, it, and, yeah. it, and it never will. Yeah, that question that's always asked, eh, has justice been served? Has justice been served? It's, uh, yeah, interesting stuff, Paul. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Always great to talk with you. My pleasure. Yeah, Thanks. take care. Paul Doroshenko joining me this afternoon, criminal defense lawyer with Acumen Law, friend of, of this show. So as you've heard, uh, the Crown in this case is appealing it, and so now is the defense.